thank you, Jackie, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be on my show. I appreciate uh, getting to chat to you, and I'm quite excited about uh, some of the questions I've got planned, and I'm looking forward to the answers. So would you like to set the scene a little bit by telling us about yourself and then give a brief overview of what it is you do and how you ended up doing that? Sure, sure. So um, what I'm involved in is computer training, um, and my main focus is is upskilling and empowering people through technology. That's that's my concept and idea. I started the business around about 2003, so I've been in the business of training for a couple of years now, a good couple of years. Previous to that, I was a secretary and wanted to move away from that environment, so I did just that, and in 2003 started the business. And yeah, the idea is personalized and focused computer training um, on people's specific needs. So it's not just the whole gamut of, of things, it's your specific needs tailor-made to you. When you speak about computer training, are you speaking more on the software side or the coding side, or do you do like a bit of a hodgepodge of everything? Definitely more the software side, um, but I have dabbled into a hodgepodge of everything, mainly end-user soft skills. And how did you get into that? Was it kind of, did you fall into it by accident? Or you, you mentioned when we were chatting before that you had spent some time in Hong Kong, and I think I think it's you said that your dad was kind of on the tech side so have you always had like a leaning towards the tech side or are you like like I said did you kind of get into this because the opportunity came up and you thought you could turn it into a career well basically uh, since I was a kid I've always wanted to teach um, it's been a burning passion and I actually think teaching is something that you're born with but um, have been steered through schooling through family and people just saying you know what, don't become a teacher, there's not much future in it, and maybe there's something else you could look at. So when I finished school, I didn't go into the formal teaching uh, colleges and anything like that, and did get an opportunity to go overseas to my dad, who was actually a bank manager, in uh, he opened up Netcore Asia. Oh, wow. So I had the opportunity to go, go to him. Um, so I grabbed the opportunity and being in Hong Kong, such a tech hub, I picked up a lot of technology skills and worked in a, a technology company. Uh, so I learned a lot about technology in that company already. Um, even though I was just a secretary there, there was very much hands-on situation and having to learn a lot about technology. And that was over the years of the 90s. So uh, the the changes happened here in South Africa. And in Hong Kong, where I was, there were quite drastic changes with the 97 handover to China. Um, And after that point, Hong Kong became quite difficult to work in because they weren't renewing work visas and rather giving them to the Hong Kong people, which is fully understandable. So my travels had to come to an end um, and I came back to South Africa quite happily, but to a very different South Africa and decided that it was the only way and the only future here for me was to open up my own little business and I found that training there was a gap in the one-on-one market a lot of people were going to colleges and spending a lot of time at colleges which they still do 
but there's a big gap of people that don't want to do that and want the private training at their home or office environment. Yeah. So that's how I came across it. So you you mentioned that it was established in 2003. Now, yeah. obviously, COVID-19 has kind of put a massive spanner in the works in terms of the way businesses are being run and uh, the ability to find clients and that kind of thing. But being around for so long, you've obviously had a lot of challenges over the, the lifetime of your, your business, could you delve into some of the biggest challenges you've faced and maybe give some clarity on how you and the business uh, has managed to survive for so long? Personally, I'm going to start with um, how best to start up the business, how I started and, and what's the best tips around that, starting awesome. a business, is to keep your overheads low, um, Megan. If you can, keep your overheads as low as possible. Start as young as possible um, as well, because I started relatively young. I was actually still staying with my mom when I started. So the low overheads really helped me and I could put any excess monies back into the business. Yeah. Um, so definitely keeping your overheads low and also cash flow. Watch that cash flow because uh, it tends to seep into places that you don't realize it's seeping into. So watch that cash flow. Could you give an example uh, of what you mean by cash flow? Is it buying things you don't really need for the business or you know, paying for services you don't really need? Exactly what you mentioned, Megan. A lot of people pay for things when, you know, these days, especially with technology, you can learn to do things online. You can learn to do a lot of your own marketing, for example, things mm. like that. Um, so so you definitely um, not having to pay for things if you don't have to, not having to buy things if you don't have to. That That is the secret to it all. I mean, if you don't need office premises and you can work without having an office premises, do that. It saves you a lot of money. And then when I started, I didn't have an office premises. I didn't need an office premises because I was getting in my car and driving to my actual clients. I didn't even have a laptop. I was using their equipment. So... I was saving myself a lot of overheads in that way, um, not having to buy both that hardware sort of stuff. Saves you a lot of money in, in, at the outset that you can put into, for example, advertising, because in the beginning you need to get the, your name out there and get the clients. So all that money can then be put back into advertising and that sort of thing. So watching where you spend your money and keeping it, trying to keep it as tight as possible, which is a fine balance. It's not always easy, depending on the industry again. Yeah. Um, I think with the industry that I'm in and what I was focusing on, which was the private one-on-one -on -one lessons, um, the overheads were low because it was traveling to the clients, giving them a lesson and traveling back. So at the beginning, my big out overheads were my, my car, my cell phone and manuals that I printed. So, yeah, keeping those overheads low is very important. There were quite a few challenges that I saw was just the difference in people's needs. And because with technology, it's, it's very much a, a, a craze sort of thing. And they might be needing Excel or needing Word, but they, the, the craze at the time will be, uh, for example, WhatsApp or, or something. And they will people will want that sort of thing. So you've got to follow the trends is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, I found that, and especially with technology, it's trend-based and people will go with what the trend is at the time. Um, so, yeah, I found that. Uh, I found also to get through the hardships, I diversified a lot. So don't stick to one market. See if you can in encroach in on other markets. Um, 
I started out just with uh, people staying at home and stay-at-home moms actually was the very first sort of client base that I had and then went from stay-at-home moms into teaching at nursery schools, went from teaching at nursery schools into corporate training where I started uh, getting more into the corporate training and yeah, then into the SME training, realizing that the corporates were just wanting a lot of, their training was more based on bigger groups and I, I like a smaller group, I feel that they get more out of a smaller group. So I moved, uh, well, not moved away, I still do corporate training, but I just have a space now for everything. But I've very much diversified to, to try and get through hard times as well and changes in the market. Yeah. You want to watch that all the time. So diversified your market, but your product stayed niche. Product stayed niche. Also, being able to adapt with your product as well. So even though the product is niche, uh, the ability to be able to train on most programs is, is a is a fantastic thing. Yeah. It's not just office that I do. I train on a, a few other programs as well. As and when the trends have come, so I've upskilled myself all the time, um, and with technology, that's critical. Otherwise, you get left behind as a teacher, and you can't afford that either. Upskilling yourself is, is huge, and, and I love technology, so I didn't uh, enjoy upskilling. Um, yeah, I've tried to um, kind of study something every 12 to 18 months, and when I say study, I don't mean like taking an official certified course. I try and do some sort of online, even if it's a Udemy or something like that, just to see what new trends are coming out and kind of get that under my belt. Even if it's not just something that's, you know, I'm not going to pick it up tomorrow and necessarily offer it as a service. But if someone asks me for it, I already kind of have a an overview of what they are talking about and can probably determine from there whether or not I'm able to to do it for them so yeah i believe in upskilling quite a lot as well where do you usually upskill do you take accredited courses obviously if you're doing your microsofts and that kind of thing uh you need to be accredited by them do you rely on other sources as well uh yes i rely on multiple sources um, i mean with microsoft i, I have tried to because because i'm qualified with microsoft with the office side I get notifications from Microsoft all the time with new things that are out there and discounts to upskill myself on their new products. So I upskill through Microsoft a lot, um, but I do look at other other options, other versions. With cell phones now, um, you know, a lot of people are, especially the disadvantaged people, those are the people that I also do a lot of training with lately and they rely on their cell phones a lot. So understanding cell phone technology and the apps on the cell phones critical absolutely critical and you know we think it's a simple thing but there's always a new app out there to learn about and so yeah learning all the time and networking is also key because you meet people through the networking that can upskill you on things that you don't you know you might not even be delivering that service or offering that service but as you said having the knowledge I think as, as a human being, you can never have enough knowledge. And I think that's what we all need to remember is to, you know, as the old saying goes, when you stop learning, you, you, you die. And it, it is a true thing. I think you can learn something from just about anyone, even 
man on the street, a petrol attendant. You know, you can learn something all the time from anyone and everyone if you open your mind up to it. Now, you've mentioned the, the challenges with, uh, you know, the South Africa, living in South Africa. We've obviously got a, a large portion of previously disadvantaged population. And I'm going to kind of circle back to that uh, shortly. But you've mentioned something about marketing, and I'm always interested to know how much of your own marketing do you do? Have you outsourced that at all? A lot of marketing these days is content driven and it requires people to create like loads and loads of content uh, to keep their name top of mind. I mean, if you look at social media, for example, a post has a limited lifespan. How, how do you market and do you produce your own content or do you have a different strategy in terms of your marketing? How, how do you kind of promote yourself online? Um, I think marketing is always needed. Um, I don't think you can ever get to a point where you don't need to market at all anymore because we always want more clients. We always want new clients. We always want to keep active, keep out there. And my idea of, of marketing is not just for clients, but to keep, let people know that I am out there. Um, especially over this lockdown period, I think marketing has been such a key important aspect of of keeping staying afloat keeping out there and yeah i i have done a lot of my own marketing um with regards to my web page and that i have people that look after my web page and make sure that that's uh, operating the way that i needed to operate um i do all my own social media marketing um and it is time consuming um but you've got to i find if you pick a day that you're going to do your marketing so let's say a monday plan everything up for that day and then send it all out on that day so Break the work down into small workloads if you can. I think the social media marketing is a little bit less uh, work-wise, a little bit less trouble than what it is. But I, I used to do print ad ads as well. So that I used to um, hand out to a company called Caxton's, Caxton's Marketing. I used to do a lot of advertising with Caxton's. So, yeah, I have to say put some things out and done some things myself. And uh, do you get a lot of response off of social media? Do you actually pay for advertising on the likes of Facebook or is it just more kind of posting to remain top of mind rather than actual paid for advertising? Again, some advertising is paid for. It depends what my goal is at the end of the marketing. So and who am I marketing to? So I've got a different marketing plan for each sector that I teach. So the domestic marketing plan, the, the, the uh, or should I say the previously disadvantaged marketing plan, the elderly marketing plan, and uh, the, the SMEs and, and younger generation marketing plan. So I've got a plan for each one. Um, some of it is paid for. Some of it isn't paid for. Some of it's just keeping top of mind. So it's a varied response to that as to how I go about it. Yeah, I find the Caxton's is quite a good response with your uh, previously disadvantaged because they can pick it up for free and they've got the time to sit and read it. So I do get quite a good response from them. Your stay-at-home moms needing help, with, especially now with the Google schools and the kids learning from home. Again, they can pick the paper up for free and they've got time to sit and read it. Yeah. So it's worked for me in many ways, the Caxton's, for quite a few years. COVID-19, we've mentioned it a couple of times. And while it's potentially the biggest disruptor 
of our lifetime, it's it's obviously had a massive impact on the way we've been conducting business. I mean, we've seen a slew of uh, webinars. Zoom has, um, if, if anyone had the foresight to buy shares in Zoom, I'm sure that they're sitting pretty right now. So what is your opinion on how this is going to change the face of business uh, once we kind of see the end of the COVID period? I think it actually, um, in, a, in a crazy way, this uh, pandemic that we're facing has made us, as, as business owners and people, sit back and just find a bit of balance. Basically, yeah, I think uh, finding a bit of balance, being able to work more from home um, and not, ha- not have to rush out all the time and connect with each other more over such uh, sites as Zoom, um, I think is a fantastic thing. Um, and I think when we do go out to to be more aware of what we do, where we go and, and how we interact with each other, I think it's hopefully going to make us all a bit more aware. I think certain industries have fared a bit better than other industries. So I do feel sorry for the hospitality industries and, and that sort of thing. And I think it's going to be challenging for them. Obviously, there's been a, a big uh, increase in online schooling as well. What do you think of online school? And maybe maybe uh, this is a great segue into uh, what we were chatting about earlier, about the challenges that we're facing as South Africa. I mean, ironically, we're speaking about technology and we've had several challenges during the recording of this podcast. We're in a weird kind of situation where we are super developed but really under developed at the same time and the connectivity we've got masses of people that don't have access to um, to running water and electricity never mind technology what are the biggest challenges we face as a community with regards to everything being digitized now obviously connectivity is is an issue Um, do you have any kind of thoughts on on this as businesses moved more towards a digital realm? I think the big issue is the majority of our country of South Africa um, are still disadvantaged. And the big issue with them is data, the cost of data. They they are working on, on pay-as-you-go data and things like that, which is expensive and, and not, not always uh, reliable. So, um, but it's a catch-22 because to make our cell phone signals and that kind of data more reliable, we need more cell phone towers, um, which is something that people are reluctant to have put up near their home living environments. And with the sprawl and spread of living environments, um, it's, it's a challenge where to put these towers because there are people that believe these towers are not healthy and not safe and they don't want their towers on top of their living environments. So it is a challenge. I think fiber has come at a good time for South Africa because if you think about it, a couple of years ago, and I'm talking maybe two, two years ago, two to three years ago, a lot of people were worked on fiber, uh, and now with the, the the rush of fiber, and a lot most people now on fiber. I'm finding even in retirement villages, fiber is a big thing, and everyone's going the fiber route. That, that has it's been a saving grace for for a lot of people. Not that that helps the disadvantaged people. So I think that South Africa's challenge is the majority are still disadvantaged, relying on paying for data, uh, which is 
not cheap and one would hope that these cell phone companies can somehow work something out. I don't know if the implementation of 5G, everyone's talking 5G, if that's going to improve situations. Um, but again, you have your towers issues with the cell phones. Yeah. Know? So it's, it's a bit of a challenge. I have a friend who's on 5G and she said that it is unbelievably fast. And she does online, uh, she teaches English second language online. And so with her mm. husband also working from home over the COVID period, they were having a lot of dropouts. So they upgraded to 5G and she said it sorted out all their issues. But the problem they have now is that as soon as there's load shedding, the tower stops working and then they're without internet completely. So, you know, you, you sort out one problem and our infrastructure just collapses in and causes you know, related problems to that. So um, I think it's it's a very complex issue that we're sitting with in terms of our connectivity. Yeah, it is. It is a, a very, very complex situation. Yeah. But the homeschooling, I'm, I'm just glad for the kids that they do have this homeschooling and that we've been able to give the kids homeschooling. Again, the disadvantaged kids sit where they sit, where, where they haven't had schooling. So majority of kids and I think the education department was talking about it the other day where again the majority of kids are in disadvantaged areas with no connectivity and they haven't had homeschool so they sit with a year that's just about finished I mean it's already coming up for August and, and then the school year is going to be finished so it's a challenge they're calling this the COVID generation because, uh, you know, it's not just this year. It's it's going to take a while, I think, not just for education, just for everything to recover, but specifically education because now the kids that didn't get an education this year are going to roll through to next year with no education because you can't hold them back because you've got next year's intake coming up. So it's a it's a big issue. And again, it's very complex. I, I, there's been a lot of criticism for the Department of Education, but it, they're definitely sitting with a problem in trying to tackle it and and make sure that they don't drop too many balls i definitely would not like to be in their shoes right now yeah i'm not sure how they're going to resolve it i think everyone's waiting with bated breath to see what what is going to happen you know um i think the the younger kids in primary schools and that i'm not saying it's okay but it's not as bad as your matriculants and 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 your your kids finishing school and in the higher end of school you know uh, that's it's a hugely frustrating point for them i'm sure so we're obviously kind of in between all of this covid stuff we are in the throes of what's being termed as the fourth industrial revolution and there's a lot of talk of automation and AI and cloud and IoT and all that kind of thing. And I've just finished working for a, an IT, uh, well, on an IT job that really opened my eyes in terms of how far technology actually has developed and how little most people are actually aware of how far down the line tech has developed to. You know, everything that's coming out now is kind of linked to the Internet of Things and cloud. And Where do you see business or perhaps even society in general going from here? What do you think is the number one skill that people should be developing today in order to keep themselves current and um, to use like a techie term to future-proof themselves? Yeah, um, personally, I think 
we all need to have a little bit of knowledge about sort of app developments and I think we all need some sort of programming knowledge of some sort. I think going into the future to to not have any programming knowledge I think is going to be dangerous. Yeah. So I would say you need some programming knowledge and you need to understand a bit behind app development I think and things like that because I don't think I think cell phones are going to carry on and be just as important and apps will be are constantly developed. So if you can, and I think for business, it's, it's a way that a lot of people are, are thinking of going is developing apps for their business. But if you understand a little bit about app development, then, you, then you'll know what you need to get out of that for your business So and what you want from that. So I think an understanding on that um, but I think we also need to try and keep a balance, you know, at, at the end of the day. I, I, I'm, I am in tech, but I'm all about a balance between humanity and tech. And, you know, just remember that there are still machines and, and we are humans and we need to hold on to our humanities and not let these computers take control. Uh, I think that. That is vital. It's difficult to do that, though, because not that they are necessarily, it's not going to be like an apocalyptic, uh, the matrix type of takeover. But I mean, we're linking more and more and more stuff to the Internet and controlling stuff remotely. Everything's been run through smart technology um, where you don't actually have to physically be uh, present to to perform a function everything's done via computers so I, I agree with you it's really important to keep our humanity but it, I think the further we go down the, the, the tech rabbit hole the more difficult it is going to be to not let tech kind of take over our lives so uh, again it's it's about finding balance I think and that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what I think and I think balance is the key word because um, it is so easy just to let the tech take over all these tasks. But I think personally, I, I, I'm a bit of an old-fashioned soul and I, I like the old-fashioned holding on to certain crafts that only humans are able to do and perfect, you know. Um, and so I think holding on to certain crafts is, is absolutely critical, hands-on craft. I think that is important and we still have a choice whether to give it over to technology or keep some things uh, physically handmade and man-made. Well, there's just so much more value in, in something that's handmade compared to a machine. And I, um, I recently read a book called Wabi Sabi, a weird title, but it's a Japanese um, philosophy, if you will, finding perfection in the imperfection. And I believe that machines can do mm -hmm. things so perfectly that you lose out on that imperfection portion that makes us human. Uh, that's getting super philosophical now, but... <laughs> but, but it's true, you know, if you take, for example, you know, just music, for example, we went from records to tapes to CDs, you know, just very briefly. But it was so ironic, and when CDs first came out, everybody was, oh, it's so clear, and it's so perfect, and it's so this, and it's so that. And now, ironically, everybody is enjoying, a lot of people, there's a whole crowd of people that are enjoying the old records and the sound. They, they actually enjoy that crackle. There's something in a, a record that just is unique to records that you won't get in a CD. Yeah. And, and that imperfection is actually what they want. Yeah. 
I'm a I'm a big vinyl enthusiast and um there's just something I don't know it's it's almost an interactive way of playing music you kind of feel part of it because I listen to Spotify through my phone most of the time while I'm working but there's just something really fulfilling on a deep level for me personally to to take a record off the shelf and put it on the record player mm. and turn the amp on rather than just kind of touching a button on my phone screen uh, it, it's again very kind of i suppose wishy-washy woo-woo if you want to but it's it's a more human way of listening to music so yeah it's an interesting interesting example yeah no that that's exactly that's exactly how i feel and you know it's, a, it's about a lot of things i mean they're talking about these driverless cars but you know what i actually enjoy driving yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy changing the gears and i enjoy you know the fundamentals of driving and, and do do we want that completely taken away that's that those are the kind of questions, you know. I interviewed someone a, a, a couple of months ago about um, he was a he's a beer brewer, and we were talking about how convenience has basically started taking our humanity. Because where you used to have to like roast a chicken and make the veg and all that, now you can basically just put a prepackaged piece of plastic in the microwave and it'll heat up that exact meal for you, and it's it saves time and it's convenient. But you know what are you losing? Using by not following the process as well, so it's it's interesting. Um, it, it's uh, I mean the cost discussion on its own. It's uh, I just find this this particular topic so fascinating. No, me too. You see, because I, I enjoy the psychology behind it. I'm, I, I'm a bit of a psychology fan myself. So the psychologies of it is is what's interesting to me. You know, and unfortunately, with the convenience comes a whole lot of other things where you've got no appreciation for physically doing other things, you know, and we've got a whole generation in a way that's grown up with that convenience and that instant gratification. And and they'll never understand certain things, you know, that, that we from an earlier generation will understand. Yeah. And I feel like if you're going to get like super philosophical about it as well, it's kind of like people say that being human is the journey through life. And by removing a lot of the the stuff that you do physically, are we not removing a large portion of that journey? You know, so what it, it kind of brings into question what it actually means to be human as well, to, to me at least. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. But this is exactly the concern is these are the questions that not a lot of people are asking you know there's a there's there's, there's a whole lot of people that aren't majority of people aren't aren't just want things done quicker faster more convenient more instant gratification and they're not asking those exact questions yeah it makes me a little bit concerned for the the future I read an article recently about millennials because they grew up with the internet and they they are used to instant gratification. It's difficult to employ them, but they also provide a, a new mindset to kind of revolutionize business because obviously businesses, if you're still doing business the way you were doing it in the 80s, you're probably not going to survive the onslaught of tech. Whereas someone that has grown up with um, mindset, that technology mindset, like a millennial or uh, what do they call it, the Y generation, you know, they'd be able to adapt a lot more quickly. So instead of 
not employing people like that because they're quick to boredom and they, they want instant gratification, they could potentially be a, a large at your company restructure. Obviously, now we're speaking about companies that uh, are a little bit bigger than um, than yours and mine. But it's, I think, important to try and integrate these tech people into um, into a setup as well to try and like I say, revolutionize the, the way you do business. Absolutely. You know, I think there's a there's a place for everyone in in in, in a business, I think, you know, and, and if if you have that corporate culture where everyone's the way they do things, their opinions and their values and, and the way they, they look at a situation because you'll get a, a wide generational millennial that'll look at a situation one way and you will get uh, the older generation that will look at it another way, you know, but if they're appreciated for both of their ways of looking at it yeah. and find the middle road, that would be the ideal situation. Yeah. Instead of just, you know, retiring people at a certain age and maybe they one should I, – I, I like this idea of contracting back, you know, the people that are at an, a certain age, you know, the 60-plus age group, because they've still got a lot of wisdom to, to show, to offer. Yes. You know, and you can't take that away from them. You no, know? you're quite right. And again, it's it's all about balance. It's finding the balance between that fast, agile um, ability to align to tech younger generation and not losing that bulk of information and wisdom from the older generation that are leaving the workforce. Absolutely. So we don't make the same mistakes again and again and again. You yeah. Know? This has been a really interesting chat. Um, I've really enjoyed this. But I, I, again, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of your time. So um, are you happy to round off with the, the quick fire round? Absolutely. Awesome. First question, define success. I think success is when your business can operate without you having to operate in the business. So you're more on the business than in the business. So when you when you can step back a bit from the business, in other words, not be involved in all act activities in the business and step back a bit and the business still run and you manage it from afar or, or work more, that's sort of getting, I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear, but yeah, just uh, be, be more distant from the business, but the business still run and be profitable. Okay, interesting answer. <laughs> How do you usually start your day? For me, I, I'm a bit of a meditation person. I like to wake up and, and meditate um, and get my head in, in the right space that I need it to be. I find that motivates me going forward. So that's what I do first thing in the morning, do a bit of meditation. Okay. And then um, I enjoy a networking session if there is an early networking session because that gets me motivated for business and catching up on, on the, the, the news that's going around. Um, but I, I don't stick too much to so a brief news input. Yeah. And then getting into my day. So that's pretty much how I get going. Awesome. What kind of meditation do you do? So mindfulness, um, even just with gentle music, um, Megan, you know, just completely uh, relaxing with, with gentle nature music, nature sounds. Um, to me, nature always grounds me and gets me, gets me going. So, yeah, that sort of idea. Awesome. What do you do when you're not working on or in your business? Um, I, I, I like dancing. I have ballroom Latin American dancing. Oh, awesome. So I, I dance 
um, I walk and hike in nature. And yeah, that those are the two main activities. Okay. I have huge respect for people who can dance because um, I, I tried studying Spanish a couple of, well, I say a couple of years. It's probably like over a decade ago. And the Spanish teacher was a Latin American ballroom instructor as well. And he tried to teach us some moves and I just have, I don't even have two left feet. I probably have four. Uh, dancing is just not something that comes naturally to me. Oh, no, I, I love it. I, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, oddly enough, I, I did some dancing when I was a young girl and stopped and got into horse riding. Um, so I stopped my dancing for quite a number of years and got back into it as just a it's a lovely social scene as well you know it's a safe place in south africa also where you can go and it's a safe place to be and 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 socialize what was the last book that you read that you would recommend to somebody the monk who sold his ferrari Oh, cool. Um, I read that years ago. I've read a couple. Uh, I think it was Robin Sharma, isn't it? Mm. I meant to read that years ago and I never did. And I picked it up the other day and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Awesome. How do you feel? I think one of the kind of uh, points in the book was to get up at five in the morning uh, to kind of jumpstart your day before everyone else gets up. What are your what are your thoughts of getting up so <laughs> so early in the morning? You know, again, you get some people who aren't morning people so that that wouldn't work for them so I think you've got to find what works for you um me I, I enjoy early mornings so for me getting up early is, is not not a problem as long as you have got a goal of what you're getting up to do I think to get up and just do nothing or, or, or lie around is not good you've got to get up and plan okay I'm going to get up at five because I'm going to do x y and z um whether it's exercising whether it's meditating whether it's even just sitting I mean we've recently got a new puppy and so we're up early in the morning to get the puppy up and out and I'm enjoying actually getting up earlier than normal because I'm up now at five these days yeah and sitting outside listening to the birds watching dawn break and the puppy doing its business, you know? Awesome. Last question. Based on the experiences that you've had both in life and your business up until this point, if you had to give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? No pressure. <laughs> I think it, from what my, my, what, what my life has shown me and business has shown me, it's keep positive, definitely keep positive and keep your connections with people. Um, with, with your friends and people and colleagues, don't bridges. Um, I think those are the things that I would say to myself. Awesome. This has been awesome. Thank you, Jackie. I, um, I've really, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Where can people get hold of you? Sure, sure. So um, it's on social on Facebook. Um, comp U Train, Comp U Train, one word. Um, uh, you'll find us there on Facebook and then we've got a web page www.computrain.co.za so you can find us there we're also on Twitter as well as on Instagram also under Computrain so you'll find us there the email address is info at Computrain.co.za okay. 
Perfect. Um, I will include all of that in the show notes um, as well. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. I've I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, and uh, yeah. And we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you cool. so much, Megan. I really have enjoyed this. Awesome. Myself. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be in contact and chat soon. Perfect. Have a lovely day. You too. Thanks, Jackie. Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.